Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. I haven't created any emails. They're coming from you. No, they're not. All these have been coming from your, from no, your house. And I'm not going to be accused of something that I didn't do. Hey, true crime besties. Welcome back to an all-new episode of Serialistly. everybody, welcome back to an all-new episode of Serialistly with me, Annie Elise. I'm a little bit under the weather today, so I kind of have a couple ailments, I guess, today that I should disclose. So, one, I'm a bit under the weather, so if I sound a little nasally or anything like that, I apologize. Also, I am fresh out of jaw surgery. It's been a little under a week now, so I'm probably going to be taking things a little bit slower, just trying to ease my way into it to not aggravate the right side of my jaw and, um, you know, hopefully avoid having surgery again. I hope you guys are all doing great and ready to hear another true crime case today. If you haven't seen my new set and you're watching the video version of this, then you see it. We are officially in the new office, the new set. Really exciting. Um, I love the look of everything, the feel of everything. I do need to figure out what to do with my hands though because I'm somebody who always talks with my hands. I'm really animated. And I noticed in my last recording, I was like, okay, I got to chill. I'm like using my hands way too much. They're like flailing all around. So I'm like, do I need to sit on my hands? Like I'm in trouble, like I'm a toddler. Do I need to like talk with my shoulders? I don't know. So if you are watching the video version of this and I'm just moving my hands like wildfire craziness, I apologize. I just really don't know how to stop it. It's just who I am. Let me move my phone here because if it goes off, it's going to bug me. So let's get situated. I want to talk to you about a case today that I had first heard about, gosh, when was it? Probably a few years ago, but it's one of those cases where it's like the more you peel it back, the more you learn about it. And this one, it's like a love triangle. Actually, it's like a love square, like a quadruple love triangle situation with like stalking, harassment, dating apps, uh, friends with benefits, like all the things. And it just gets crazier and crazier and crazier as it unfolds. So much so to where you're kind of like taking a step back, you're all, uh, is this even real? Do people act like this? Is this reality? So I wanted to jump on the mic and I wanted to talk to you guys about this. I want to start with talking just about how the internet has really made dating more convenient than ever for people because it gives people who may never cross paths in real life the opportunity to meet one another, whether it's through a true dating website that you pay for, an app where you're just swiping. It just allows you access to more people. 
Plus the barrier of having that screen on your phone or in your computer, however you're using it, can really boost people's confidence. And so that's what happened with today's case because newly single father Dave Krupa was upfront about his dating expectations and wanting to just have some non-committal fun and really just date around. So he only met up with women too who seemed to agree and share that same sentiment. Just friends with benefits, nothing serious, let's keep it cash. However, he was about to learn that even though people can put on whatever persona they want from behind the screen and maybe pretend that they want it to be casual, that may not be the reality of it, and they might be faking all of that. So let's get into today's case. David Krupa was born in 1976, and he was born to two very loving parents. They actually were married for over 40 years. They had the picture-perfect marriage, perfect picture-perfect life, really kind of like a leave-it-to-beaver family. Everything that people would aspire to want. Very idyllic, very, you know, suburban. Everything that people would normally want. His parents created a beautiful life for Dave and his brothers, and they really were just kind of this all-American family in South Dakota. So after graduating from high school, Dave moved to Colorado, and he served two years in the National Guard before earning his degree in automotive engineering. He eventually moved back to South Dakota so that he could be closer to his family, and he ended up getting a job at a local truck shop where he also met this woman named Amy, who he started dating. Now, as I mentioned, even though Dave had this picture-perfect upbringing, this amazing life, 40 years of marriage with his parents to aspire to, he didn't want any of that. Getting married was something that Dave never really wanted for himself. His parents raised him and his siblings in the church to instill those Christian traditional values, but Dave always just kind of viewed marriage as a trap. It wasn't something that he was into. So he started this relationship with his coworker Amy, but still had no plans to ever get married. Now, many women and men who start relationships like this might think that they will change the other person, that it just takes meeting the right person. Then they'll come around. They will want to get married. They will want to live the happily ever after. But Dave's mind never changed. He never wanted that. However, despite not wanting to get married, Dave was monogamous with Amy, and they were together for 12 years, and it was pretty much as serious as it could get in terms of a relationship. Over the course of those 12 years, they had two children together, a little girl and a boy, but his mind never changed about marriage. He ended up moving with Amy to Iowa to be closer to her family, and they were monogamous. They were in love, and they were just this beautiful family. But again, something about the commitment of rings, a wedding, the whole nine yards was just too much for Dave. However, this was something that Amy always felt like she wanted and frankly deserved and something that would eventually happen. Now, during the 12 years of being together, Amy was willing to put Dave first. They moved several times due to his career advancement and different jobs and different locations, and she always felt like she was committing so much of herself to Dave, but never getting that commitment in return in the form of a marriage, something traditional. And not only that, But at this point, Dave had a vasectomy, so even though Amy wanted to have more children, that was off the table. So all of these dreams that she had for herself, a marriage, a happy family, more kids, it was stripped away from her, even though she kept overcommitting to Dave, moving with him, you know, going along with his idea of not getting married, all of these things. And it really just started to unravel. She realized this wasn't the path that she wanted. This was not the life that she wanted. 
So it's really not hard to see why that resentment between the two of them started to build and build and build until finally, in 2011, it all came to a head, and Amy and Dave ended up separating. She decided that she had had enough of just following Dave around, and she decided that she wanted to move back to Iowa to be closer to her family. So Dave ended up following her and moving back that direction as well so that he could be close to their children, and he lived right on the outskirts to where it was on the Nebraska border. So while Amy and the kids were living in Iowa, he was living nearby in that bordering town of Omaha in Nebraska, and he got a job at a tire shop. He rented himself the ultimate bachelor pad, but didn't have quite enough money to actually furnish it. He just had kind of like the bare minimums. He had his clothes, he had a bed, a laptop, but he also had this new sense of freedom. He was now officially not committed, even though he wasn't really committed, but now he wasn't in a monogamous relationship. He had the freedom to really do whatever he wanted, live his life freely and completely. And at this point, Dave was 35 years old, and he hadn't been single since his early 20s. So this new found sense of freedom was really exciting for Dave. At this point, there were also now tons of dating apps to choose from because it was the day and age of the internet. There was eHarmony, Match.com, which are more of like the paid subscriptions if you're looking for something more serious. There was Tinder that you could use to just swipe, even though at that point Tinder was more targeted toward college-aged kids. But there was totally so much for him to choose from. So many different resources to use to really embark on this new free lifestyle and dating experience. Now, because Dave still was not looking for anything serious, he didn't really want to do any of those paid subscription sites that I mentioned. Because again, people who traditionally join those, they are looking for quality candidates, something more serious, something that's going to lead lead to a long-term relationship. And that was not at all what Dave was looking for. So he kind of found the perfect hybrid and he signed up for Plenty of Fish. The website Plenty of Fish seemed to be really a happy medium and blend of people on both ends of the dating spectrum. It was mostly a free website, and it wasn't geared toward just hooking up like Tinder was with like the college-aged kids, but it also wasn't as serious as Match.com or eHarmony. And a lot of people on there just wanted to see where things could go, meet someone and see where it took off, see if it went anywhere, and Dave was cool with that. Now, in his age range, most people viewed Dave as a pretty good catch. He had this kind of like scruffy, manly-looking vibe about him with his beard. He had a consistent job as a mechanic. He was cool with kids since he had children of his own. And he was also pretty intelligent and funny. Really, a good catch for most people. So right away, Dave started hitting it off with dozens of different women. And aside from his looks, his career, his personality, the other thing that really drew these women in was that Dave was upfront and honest about everything that he wanted and everything that he didn't want. He was open and transparent with not wanting anything super committal, that he just wanted to have fun, see where things would go. And women really appreciated this honesty because usually there's like this level of playing games and Dave cut all that bullshit out. There was no games. He was who he was and he was true to that. So as Dave is hitting it off with all of these different women, one of the women that Dave met on Plenty of Fish was 37-year-old Shanna Elizabeth Goliar. And Shanna actually went by Liz, which stemmed from her middle name. And like Dave, she was fresh out of a long-term relationship. And she had children as well that were similar in age to his children. 
So she claimed to be looking for something casual as well, and it seemed like it was the perfect fit. So after chatting online for a bit, the two of them decided to meet up in person. Now, even though Liz and Dave seemed to have a good amount in common from just talking and vibing with each other online, their childhood and upbringing really couldn't have been any more different. Remember, Dave came from this leave-it-to-beaver type family. Very stable, traditional Christian values, parents who were married for over 40 years. But Liz's upbringing was very different. By the time that she was born, her parents actually had already lost custody of two other children. Her dad had also been charged with indecent liberties with a child, which back then was known as, you know, a traditional sex crime. It's inappropriate sexual contact. And due to that and all of these other forms of abuse, they lost custody of their children. And then later, after being born, Liz and her other brother ended up being placed in foster care. So she had this very tumultuous, very hard upbringing, rough lifestyle, didn't have any sort of model relationship to look to for guidance. It was pretty jaded and broken from the jump. And as if it weren't heartbreaking enough, after Liz and her brother had been placed in foster care, her mom really was trying to get custody back and she was taking all of the necessary steps to do so. However, just two weeks before they were meant to be reunited, Liz's mom was tragically killed in a car accident. Her dad was never able to regain custody of the children either, and he eventually drank himself to death. So this led to Liz and all of her siblings being separated and then adopted by new families. This kind of made Liz spiral a little bit. She got married young. She had two babies, one of whom was tragically killed at the hands of the baby's father due to shaken baby syndrome. And this was all by the time that she was just 24 years old. She lived a lot of life at a very young age and a very tumultuous life. She went on to have another child and a few long-term relationships before Dave, but none of them ever worked out. So that's when she ended up joining Plenty of Fish and when she met Dave. And like Dave, she was not looking for anything serious. She had just been put through the ringer with so many relationships, children, all of the things. And so she just wanted to have something casual, cool, non-committal, and it really seemed perfect. So when Dave and Liz first met up, they went to a casual coffee date, and Dave was really into the way that Liz looked, because she didn't look like a lot of the other women that he had dated. She was petite, she had tattoos, she had dark hair. In his words, she had a really big breasts. He was like very, very into her appearance. And aside from her appearance, what Dave really liked is that he had learned through his dating excursions online that even though women were saying that they only wanted something casual, they secretly were hoping for something more and that it would turn into something more serious that they were just kind of playing the cool card of yeah I'm you know I'm fine with something casual it doesn't need to be committal but he quickly would learn that that wasn't the case with them however now with Liz all she was talking about was how busy she was with work with her other children how she really did not want anything serious or committal so he was not only impressed with her looks and super hyped on that but the fact that she actually was who she was claiming to be was really, really intriguing for him. She had a lot of things going on for herself, and it seemed like they were just on the same page. Liz was also a really good listener, and she laughed a lot and was just constantly smiling. Her positivity and fun personality really was just like a breath of fresh air for Dave. 
It wasn't actually even until their fifth date that Dave decided to kiss her goodbye. They had been pretty non-physical, non-contact for the first several dates. So on their fifth date, he finally decides, okay, I'm going to go in for a kiss. Even though it had been pretty clear that since their first date, the sexual tension had been building up. There was the flirty, there was the giddiness, the silly banter, but they waited. Dave held back. But then that fifth date, it was on like Donkey Kong. He made his first move, they kissed, and it was pretty much game over after that. They slept together that night. Dave had a major confidence boost in this. He had now slept with her. He was stoked. They had hit it off. He had been in this rut from his previous failed relationship, feeling like he had let his kids down as a father, let Amy down. And now he had this beautiful, fun, vibrant woman who was just all over him, wanting to have sex with him and making him feel like a man again. So it was like this huge injection of confidence. And Dave definitely exuded this confidence going forward. And He was having sex with several different women that he met online. Not all of them, but several of them. We are going to take a quick break in today's case to hear from a couple of our sponsors. So during cases we discuss, there's always one thing that we say, trust your gut, right? There's a reason you trust your gut. Your whole body's health starts there. And for me, that means taking Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. I take Seed every morning when I wake up as part of my everyday routine to make sure that my day starts off right. Gut health is important, and Seed supports health, gut immune function, and response to occasional GI and environmental environmental stressors. It also supports your body's ability to break down fats, which is great for any fitness goals you may have, especially heading into the new year, new you season, all of the stuff that goes with it. Now, as much as internal benefits are great, there are external ones as well. Look healthier on the outside too, because it promotes smooth, clear, healthy skin and helps your skin maintain a more youthful look. Listen to your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com AE and use code 25AE to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash AE, code 25AE. Microdosing. What is it? We've all heard about it, right? Well, you know that just right kind of feeling when your body and your mind are really at peace after like a long workout or a nice long hot shower where you're relaxed, focused, and a little energized? Microdosing helps you get into that zone easier and stay there longer, which that's the zone I want to be in, okay? Today, our show is sponsored by Microdose Gummies, and Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. I love how helpful these gummies are because for me, I take half of a microdose gummy during the day and it helps me stay centered and fresh as I get everything done on my ever-growing to-do list. They also help me relax at night and really be present in the moment instead of worrying about things from the day or worrying about what's coming tomorrow. Microdose is available nationwide and to learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code AE to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description But again, that is microdose.com, code AE for free shipping and 30% off your first order. Now, even though he didn't want a relationship, he also didn't want to have tons of just different one-night stands all the time. But he was definitely very sexually active with many of the women that he was dating online. And he liked this concept of friends with benefits, like good friends with benefits. So he was dating a bunch but had this kind of like select group, select circle where they were friends with benefits and he would sleep with multiple different women. 
While seeing various other women, he was still seeing and sleeping with Liz about twice a week, sometimes actually even more than twice a week. And while for some women this might have seemed like they were getting, you know, quote unquote, more serious because they were spending 50% or more of the week together, Dave didn't want to get serious. And he had even said that if he were going to get serious with somebody, it definitely would not have been Liz. I mean, he definitely liked the sex, he was down to try new things, but he had said that Liz was a little bit too much for him, and he actually referred to her as kinky and said that she was a little too adventurous for his preference. Plus, he frankly didn't find her very intelligent at all. Dave wanted somebody who could challenge him, who could challenge him mentally, talk about the news, current events, have a stimulating conversation with, talk about thought-provoking topics, and Liz didn't fit the bill on that. It wasn't that she was dumb, but in his words, she lacked substance. However, Liz in all of this felt the complete opposite. Because to Liz, if she were ever to settle down and get more serious with someone, it was going to be with Dave. And Dave was definitely the kind of guy that she would want to be with. And actually, not even just the kind of guy that she would want to be with, but Dave specifically. Now, most of us know and can agree that it's not uncommon for women to start getting emotionally attached after being physical with someone. Once you have sex with somebody, and I forget what it's called, but it's like the hormones or whatever it is, something kind of, if you're a woman, physically and emotionally attaches you to that person. And Dave started to notice that this was happening with Liz. Liz was becoming more and more clingy and clingy like a lot of the women that he had dated before. She no longer was just this cool girl who wanted something casual, and was cool with just being friends with benefits. Every time that they would hang out, she would ask him what he did the night before, but not so much as an innocent conversation starter, but more like, hey, what'd you do the night before? What other women did you go out with? Who'd you see? Who'd you date? And he eventually had to reiterate to her like, hey, look, I told you what this was. I don't want anything serious. I'm just casually dating. What I do is my business. We're not boyfriend and girlfriend. And while Liz said that she understood all of this, she acted the complete opposite. It even got to the point where she would often call him to see what he was doing that night, and if he told her that he was going on a date because he was very transparent all the time when he would go on dates, she would just start showing up at his house right after he got off work before going on the date, and she would show up at the house saying that she wanted to have sex with him. Now, being a man, Dave would have sex with her, but he started to realize that she was doing this in an effort to tire him out, like in this calculated move to where she'd go over to his house before his date, right when he got off work, she would try to like bang it out, have sex with him, so by the time he went on his date, he would have already been, you know, satisfied or tired or whatever, no longer interested in having sex with women, which I don't think that's quite how it works, but that was what her calculation was in all of this. She's like, you know what, I'm going to go over there, I'm going to tire him out, you know, give it to him every which way I possibly can so that he'll go out on this date, he'll think she's boring, he won't want to have sex with her, and he'll come back to me. Now, even though this was Liz's strategy, Dave continued to see other women. And eventually, Dave even told Liz, like, hey, look, I think that you should start seeing other men too. I'm seeing other women. You should start dating other people too, not just always waiting around for me to be available. But Liz's reaction to that was by saying, no, I don't want to see other people. I'm not like that. I'm not the kind of girl that sleeps around like you do. Almost as though now she's trying to judge him and kind of passive aggressively berate him for still seeing other women and sleeping around. So 
clearly not the cool girl and lax girl that she tried to portray in the very beginning of everything, which is fine. People are absolutely allowed to change their minds and want what they want, certainly. But she continued telling him that she was cool with it, but then would like give him these side little jabs all the time. So he was now realizing, okay, despite what she's saying to me, she's clearly not cool with this. She's pretending to be, but she's definitely not. And he couldn't have been more clear with her and reminded her time and time again, like, I'm not going to change my mind on this. So if I'm not the person for you and if you're not okay with this, then we definitely should not keep going. We shouldn't keep seeing each other, keep sleeping together. You should go and date other people and see what else is out there. But little did he know, not only had Liz caught feelings, but she actually at this point had deleted her Plenty of Fish account and had no intention of seeing anybody else but him. So even though all of this was a red flag and started to kind of annoy Dave a little bit, he wasn't really meeting anybody online that he was connecting with. Sure, he was meeting people that he would go on a date with, he would sleep with, but nobody who really sparked his interest had a fun, bubbly personality like Liz did, where they laughed, had fun together. So that, coupled with how hot he thought she was, he kind of just kept her around and they kept hanging out with each other. And he said like even during some of the slow periods where he would strike out on Plenty of Fish, it was nice to have Liz's company. But after a while, things started to escalate. And in addition to her possessiveness and jealousy over the other women that he would meet online and go out with, she started to show a level of possessiveness and control over his children as well. Now remember, he and his first partner, Amy, their breakup had not been the smoothest. They had been together for 12 years. She wanted more. She wanted commitment. He wasn't going to give that to her. And they had a little bit of a rocky breakup. They were co-parenting effectively, but they weren't like this big, happy family. The most that he would see Amy was actually just a few seconds in the driveway when he would pick up his kids on the days that the kids were with him. But despite this, Liz was getting very jealous by their connection and their relationship, which was literally only a co-parenting relationship. And she started making these really snide remarks like, oh, I guess you spent time with Amy this weekend, or oh, guess you have to go and talk to Amy like these really just passive aggressive undertones that were like snarky and snide and that wasn't even the case at all remember he would just show up here for a few seconds while exchanging the children so he even had to get stern with Liz on some occasions and remind her like look it's none of your goddamn business what I do I'm living my life seeing who I want even if I wanted to reconnect with Amy that has nothing to do with you back the fuck off you know However, even though she was constantly getting on his nerves with this type of behavior, she would always get back into his good graces somehow. And usually it was by initiating sex and making him forget how literally crazy she had become. Now, even though it might seem like this had been going on for a long time at this point, in reality, it had only been about three months that they had been seeing each other, and she had gone from zero to 100 pretty quickly. Liz was becoming way too attached, and so Dave started trying to finally pull away from her. And that is when these very long, very serious, drawn-out emails started happening between Liz and Dave. She emailed him, pressuring him to talk about his feelings as if he hadn't already made those completely crystal clear. And some of the emails read, 
what do I need to do to get you to take a chance? And then before he could even respond to that email, she would write another saying, it does make me wonder what is wrong with me. Wonder if I'm just a rebound. I guess with almost four months invested, I figured I'd get more from you. I always feel like we take a small step forward, then you go to Amy and we take 10 steps backwards. Am I really going to always have to play this tug of war for you to drop the damn past? So clearly, she's becoming possessive and, quite frankly, a little bit unhinged. In another email, she said, Are you scared of me? Do you think I will cheat on you? Do you think that you're not good enough? Which I think that anyone would have started to get a little bit freaked out by Liz. Not in the way that she thought, but it was like she didn't get it. No matter what way Dave was trying to explain it, it was kind of like, you need a strong dose of he's just not that into you. But she was trying to make it and position as though he was scared to take a chance on her. But it's like, no, 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 no. He's just not into you, Liz. He's not into you. Simple as that. So during all of this, one day Liz messaged Dave about a proposition that she had come up with. She said that they should try to see each other for 30 days just to see how it goes, and that if by the end of it he still doesn't want to commit to her, she would leave him alone. So Dave said that he was honestly really annoyed that she would even suggest this, considering he had been so crystal clear with what he wanted. But since he wasn't dating anybody else at the time, he figured, why not? We'll try this for 30 days. By the time it's over, I'm going to get rid of you for good. Whatever. It is what it is. He would do what she asked for 30 days, show her his feelings, did not change, and then he could just go back to the way he wanted things or move on completely. Simple as that, right? So during these 30 days, Liz started staying over at his house more and more, more than she already was before. And she also gradually started bringing more of her stuff over into his apartment, like her clothing, her toothbrush, pots and pans. I mean, really just kind of starting to infiltrate his life. She even gave him some old furniture that she had to help him fill up this empty bachelor pad, because remember, he didn't have enough money to fill it completely, so she started furnishing it for him. And in Liz's mind, her plan was working. They were starting to cohabitate. They were getting serious. She was furnishing his place. She was leaving her toothbrush. She was bringing over her pots and pans. It was like things were finally working, and Liz's plan was off to a great start, and it would end happily for her. However, here's the big but. That all changed when Dave met a new woman at his work, and this time, there was a major spark with this woman. One day while working at the tire shop, a woman had brought in her Ford Explorer for some repairs. Now, Dave recalled seeing her and thinking that she was like the most beautiful woman in the world and felt like there was a spark immediately when they smiled at each other. However, he didn't think that it was professional to hit on her right away, especially since she was a customer and technically he was doing some work on her car. And not to mention he was doing that whole 30-day experiment with Liz, so he just felt like it wasn't the right time. So she left and he didn't really ever expect to see her again. But as fate would have it, he came across her profile on Plenty of Fish, and he messaged her, saying, Hey, I know you. The woman's name was Carrie Farver, and she messaged him back. Now, because he was still doing this 30-day experiment with Liz, he didn't end up asking Carrie out right away. However, after the 30 days was up, Carrie actually ended up coming back into the tire shop for more repairs that she needed on her car. So, he seized the opportunity and asked her out. So she accepted the invitation for a date, and both of them told their friends that it was the most that either of them had laughed in a really long time. The date was absolutely perfect. 
Now, Carrie is a 38-year-old computer programmer. She's divorced. She had a teenage son named Max and was just very, very intelligent. Remember, Dave had always said that Liz wasn't the kind of person he would settle down with. He wanted someone who he could have these thought-provoking conversations with, someone of substance, someone with intelligence. And here Carrie comes in, fitting the bill completely. She was tall, she had this gorgeous smile, and what Dave liked most of all was that she was witty and she could have these deep conversations with him. Their first date was at an Applebee's, and after dinner, Carrie decided to go back to Dave's place. Now, knowing that they might end up having sex, getting physical, she made it clear to Dave that she wasn't looking for anything serious. She didn't want a serious commitment. Now, Dave was surprised that for once, he didn't have to be the one to break the news about these no-commitment things with her. She's the one who brought this to the table. So he felt like he hit the absolute jackpot here. So while they were back at his house after the date, Dave started receiving numerous text messages from none other than Liz. And she said she needed to come over to the apartment right away. She had to grab all of her stuff, whether it was her toothbrush or pots and pans, whatever. But like the 30 days was up. She's like, I need to come. I need to get all my stuff. But Dave was telling her like, hey, it's not a good time right now. And it was almost like Liz kind of had this sixth creepy sense of knowing that there was another woman in his apartment and that she wanted to just like barge in, mark her territory, rain on the parade. So when her calls and her text messages weren't working and Dave was saying it's not a good time, she actually ended up showing up at his apartment and she was repeatedly hitting the call button on the apartment intercom system. So Dave was obviously humiliated, just like beyond embarrassed, and he explained the situation to Carrie. And surprisingly, she was really understanding about all of it. Now, most women would have probably fled at that point. I know I would have, especially for that amount of drama. But Carrie just went with the flow. She understood. She's being like, it's cool. Don't even worry about it. And I mean, they had just met after all, so she probably assumed that he was seeing other women, but she was just very relaxed about the whole thing. So Carrie ended up telling Dave she was just going to head home and let him deal with what he had going on. But she said, hey, give me a call tomorrow. We'll talk. Maybe we can plan to go out again. Now, he was obviously furious that Liz had ruined his night. And there was an awkward 10-second encounter between Carrie and Liz in the apartment hallway when they were passing each other in the hall as Carrie was leaving and as Liz was going to retrieve her items. And Liz in this encounter was clearly upset. And her behavior toward Dave only managed to push him further and further away. So in the next couple of days, Liz sent Dave an email and it said, I know you don't know what will happen down the road and you don't really want to think about it. Are you asking for the long break so you could forget everything? I'm going to give it to you, so don't worry. I was just wondering. Sorry, I guess I need closure. Do I forget everything about us? I'm going to date others, but if no one catches my eye, do I get to hope that time makes the heart grow fonder? Or do you want me to go and never come back? I'm not saying we will ever get back together. I'm just saying, do I go and never look back? I guess I hope, even if you're dating others, that you'll look back and smile when you think of me, and that someday you'll let me back in, no matter what, even if it's a friend or whatever. Which, guys, I just gotta say, like, this is the ultimate stage five clinger at this point. They were never even together. It was casual. It was boning a few times a week, and you're, like, sending this long-winded email about, do I just turn back and never go back? I get it. He led her on, and that was pretty douchey. But still, he tried to be crystal clear with her, and it's just, like, stage five clinger to me. It's a little over the top. So as that 
kind of finally ran its course with Liz, Dave started spending more time with Carrie, who he really enjoyed being around and spending time with. But Liz's emails just continued, and they just persisted. Then, as Dave and Carrie's relationship was progressing, Dave realized that Carrie's job was only about a half a mile away from his house. Now, where Carrie lived, it was about an hour commute each way to her office. So when she had a big project that came up for work, Dave offered and said, hey, my house is about a half mile from your office. Just stay with me for the week during your project. You can come to and from work easily. It's not a long commute. Bring some stuff over and like, let me help you out here. And Carrie thought that was really nice and she agreed. Not only was this super convenient, but they were also at the point where they were really enjoying getting to know each other more. They weren't trying to make this new living situation permanent by any means, but it was kind of nice to play house for a week, be dating, be in that little happy bubble, knowing too that it was just temporary, so Carrie accepted. Then on the morning of November 13th in 2012, Dave woke up to find Carrie already awake and she was putting the finishing touches on her project. He thought that she looked beautiful and actually pretty cute with all of her papers just spread around the living room, and then before he left for work, he gave her a kiss goodbye. However, later that day, Carrie didn't show up for work, which was completely out of character for her. Dave also had received a text message from Carrie suggesting that they move in together. But remember, they weren't going to do this as a permanent thing. It was something that was just to help out while she had that work project. So this completely shocked Dave because they had already agreed to keep things casual. So honestly, when he got this message, he thought that she was just joking around. So he texted her back with a simple no. But he never expected the angry reply that she was about to send back saying that she hated him and that she actually was seeing somebody else. She told him not to contact her ever again, and it was all just out of left field and really made no sense to Dave. Dave and Carrie had been having so much fun, and she had never even hinted about wanting to change the situation. Everything had seemed like it was going perfectly. So later that day, Dave also noticed that Carrie had even unfriended him on Facebook. He was pretty disappointed in all of this, but not devastated or heartbroken by any means. It was still new. It wasn't anything super serious, but she was the first person that he had dated in a really long time that he could actually see himself becoming more serious with down the road. So when he returned from work that night, he found that all of Carrie's things were gone that she had in the apartment, and it was as if she had never even been there to begin with. Within the next couple of days, Dave started receiving really crazy text messages from Carrie, and he honestly at this point now, rather than being sad and bummed out, felt like he dodged a complete bullet. However, what he didn't expect in all of this was that he received a phone call from Liz saying that Carrie was also texting her, sending her really nasty and insulting texts in addition to just sending them to him. And this was even weirder because Carrie didn't know anything about Liz other than what happened that night that Liz came over to get her stuff and they had that weird brief interaction in the hallway. So now that she was sending all of these insulting and harassing messages to Liz as well, it just seemed really unhinged. And not only that, but Liz also became the target of vandalism as well. She found the words, whore from Dave, painted on the wall of her garage. And Liz told Dave that she was becoming fearful for her life. She was getting these text messages, these hand-painted threats and notes, and they both actually started referring to her as Crazy Carrie. Even more disturbingly, Liz also discovered that some old checks of hers were missing from inside of her house. 
So Liz was absolutely furious that someone was not only trying to mess with her, but now trying to mess with her money as well, which could affect her livelihood and her kids' livelihood as well. Now, luckily, the checks were for an old account that Liz didn't even have open anymore. But still, she filed a police report, hoping that this harassment would stop. And that same night that Liz filed this police report against Carrie, Dave also received an email from Carrie confessing to being the one who vandalized Liz's garage. I mean, just completely, this woman went off the deep end. But over what? What was the catalyst in all of this? Now, during this same time, as all of this was going down, Carrie's family was starting to become concerned when they hadn't seen or heard from her at all. It was like she completely did a 180 and just flew off of the radar completely. Carrie had been completely devoted to her son and talked to her mother daily as well. So for her to now just go and spend the night at this new guy's house for a few nights and then not come home for a week, not follow up with anything, it just was not like her at all. Her friends, her family, her coworkers, they all started calling her and texting her, but she didn't answer. So her mom started getting the feeling that something could seriously be wrong here. However, a few days later, on November 17th, Carrie sent a photo of a signed check to her mom claiming that she sold all of her furniture and that someone was coming to pick it up. And the check was made out to Carrie and it was in the amount of $5,000. But her mom was completely and totally confused by all of this because not only had she not spoken to her daughter in days, but the furniture that she was trying to sell were all family heirlooms. So she started to become suspicious, especially when nobody came to even get the furniture that she supposedly had sold. So Carrie's mom asked for her to call her so that she could hear her voice and confirm that it was her because she was unsure if the text messages that she was getting were actually coming from Carrie. And this was not only because it was unlike her, but also because the messages were poorly written, they had grammatical errors, they had this very mean and angry undertone to them, and this just was not like Carrie, who everybody knew to just be extremely nice and over-the-top meticulous when it came to spelling and grammar, even in texts and emails. None of it was making any sense. Soon after this, Carrie's supervisor also received a letter of resignation from Carrie. She let them know that she found her own replacement and that the replacement was going to be coming in for an interview. However, the person who came in for that interview didn't even meet the minimum qualifications for the job. Meanwhile, Carrie's mom tried to file a missing persons report, but they told her that since Carrie was an adult, she didn't have an obligation to call and tell her mom what she was doing. Her mom explained that Carrie had also previously been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, however, so this caused police to believe that maybe she had gone off of her meds, which would have maybe caused this type of behavior, it could explain it, and they told her mom that after her bipolar episode, she would more than likely return. However, when Carrie was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, she had just given birth to her son and she was also going through a really messy breakup with her ex. So her mom actually thinks that she was misdiagnosed back then and was either suffering from postpartum depression or a stress-induced psychotic episode, or maybe even both. But at this point in her life, she was completely happy. So to be suffering from a bipolar episode didn't make much sense. She loved her job, she was in a great place financially, and she just felt like nobody was taking her intuition as a mother very seriously. However, the police did try to track her cell phone activity, but only to stop the harassment and the vandalism against Liz and Dave, not to really genuinely track her down. 
The police discovered that the pings from Carrie's phone were actually in the general area of Dave's apartment, but not close enough to either Dave or Liz's homes. So they tried searching the areas, but they found no sign of Carrie and no sign of her vehicle. However, Dave and Liz continued to receive numerous threatening and nasty text messages from Carrie. And in a weird way, the fact that both of them were dealing with who they called Crazy Carrie and this crazy and unsettling behavior, it really started to bring them closer together again. They were dealing with the same stalker, the same nasty threats, and so they were bonding over this and reconnecting over this. And Dave also actually felt pretty guilty for bringing Carrie into Liz's life. And now having her deal with all of this backlash from Carrie, he felt responsible. All right, guys, we are going to take one final break in today's case to hear from our final sponsors of the episode. This busy holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel your jam-packed days. Well, call me Santa, guys, because I am about to introduce you to the best present that you will ever get, and that is Factor. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, and they can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals over the holidays, and choose from over 35 chef-crafted meals every week that supports a healthy lifestyle and meets your meal preferences, whether it's calorie smart, vegan, veggie, protein plus, more wholesome options, I mean, you name it. Skip the meal planning, the grocery shopping, the chopping, the prepping, the cleaning up, and get Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals delivered directly to your door. They're ready in just two minutes, guys, so all you have to do is heat them up and enjoy. And I'm telling you, I'm fresh off of jaw surgery. Their shakes, because they have shakes too, not just meals, are bomb.com. I literally could live off of the chocolate banana smoothies, okay? They are so good. So head to factormeals.com slash AE50 and use code AE50 to get 50% off. That's code AE50 at factormeals.com slash AE50 to get 50% off. I'm going to be honest, I used to love the winter because as the weather gets colder, there would be no pressure around how often I shave my legs because they don't have to be like beach ready. So I really only would shave my legs for myself when I would because I'd always be in sweatpants, right? But now, even when I know I'm going to be wearing my sweatpants and just be cozy on the couch watching my true crime docs, I'm shaving them anyway because I used to dread shave leg day, but now I don't. And that's because I found Athena Club. So if you're looking to step up your shaving game, you must check out Athena Club's award-winning razor It is seriously the best on the market, and here's why. Number one, price. First of all, the Athena Club Razor Kit is an absolute steal at just $10. But don't let the price fool you because this razor packs a serious punch. It comes with a beautifully made handle and two extra five-blade cartridges that deliver an incredibly smooth shave every time. No more having to steal my husband's razor to get a good shave. Also, the magnetic hook, because here's the game changer. It includes this magnetic hook, and it means there's no more clutter in your shower, no more goopy blades, no more razor that comes crashing down on the shower floor in the middle of the night. I mean, it's a little bit of peace, right? And last, the quality. 
quality. Athena Club's razor glides effortlessly thanks to those five precision-engineered blades. The blades are perfectly spaced out to let hair pass through with each stroke, and you'll experience less irritation and less razor burn, which is always a win in my book. The blade on my old razor used to get all gross and goopy after just a few uses, but I love the water-activated serum on Athena Club's razors because there's just enough of it to soothe while shaving, but it never gets like gunky on the blade, you know? So if you're ready to upgrade your shaving experience, then switch to the best razor on the market and show your skin you care with Athena Club. Head over to athenaclub.com and grab your razor kit today, or you can find Athena Club razors at your local Target. Use code AE at athenaclub.com at checkout for 20% off your purchase. Again, that's code AE to save 20% off. Trust me, you will not look back. Happy shaving. Everything starts with a good night of sleep, but let's be real. Getting a good night of sleep is really hard during the holidays because you've got late nights, parties, indulging in unhealthy foods or habits, crazy schedules, some extra alcohol consumption, guilty as charged, but New Year's is right around the corner and it's also the perfect time to start implementing new healthy routines. And honestly, the best way to start doing so is with a deep sleep that leaves you feeling energized and ready to take on the day with zero grogginess. Now, I've already been doing this for about a year, but I'm going into another new year drinking my Beam Dream Sleep Tea. I've talked to you guys about it before, but if you have trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, getting a good sleep, you need to try Dream. And Dream is a very luxurious drink blend that's filled with the highest quality sleep-promoting ingredients. It's clinically shown to improve your sleep. It helps me fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and wake up just feeling more energized. Now, they have so many good flavors, guys. Honestly, the best. My favorite is sea salt caramel because it tastes like hot chocolate. I drink it right before bed. It's a tasty treat. It is the best. It also has no added sugar. It's only 15 calories. And right now, you can get up to 40% off with my exclusive offer. I personally love that Dream has high-quality sleep ingredients that leave me with zero grogginess the next day. And in a clinical study, 93% of participants reported that Dream helped them get a better night's sleep and wake up feeling more refreshed. Refreshed. So click the link in the show notes below. It's shopbeam.com slash Annie Elise, and you can get up to 40% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. The discount is auto applied at checkout, so you'd have no code necessary. Guys, check it out. Get your good sleep on. So many of you have tried it already and have told me how much you love it. So if you haven't tried it, now is the time. During one of Liz's many reports to the police, she explained that Carrie had blamed her for the breakup with Dave. She told them about that check that Carrie had stolen from inside her house, which coincidentally also ended up being the check that she sent to her mother for the $5,000 for the furniture. So the police informed Liz and Dave that Carrie's family had actually reported her as missing, but that none of them have been able to contact her. Then, after speaking with Liz and Dave, the sheriff actually ended up receiving a text message from Carrie herself, saying that she didn't care about the missing persons report, and she told them to leave Dave out of it. And Carrie also admitted to the police that she stole Liz's checkbook, which resulted in a warrant being put out for her arrest. Months went by and Carrie remained missing, but she still continued sending all of these harassing messages to Dave through text and through email. Terrifyingly, the messages often described what he was doing and what he was wearing while he was inside his apartment, as though she was stalking him and watching him. 
and whenever he tried to catch her stalking him through the window, he was unsuccessful, which made it even more frightening. He didn't know where she was, didn't know how she was seeing him. And meanwhile, Carrie's father ended up tragically passing away, and she didn't even show up to the funeral, which her family knew in their hearts, with her not showing up to her own father's funeral, something was very wrong here. No matter what was going on, she would not have missed that. So they now started thinking that all of these messages might not even be coming from Carrie after all. During this time, Carrie's Facebook also remained active, and she posted that she had moved to Kansas for a great new job and had actually found a new partner, none other than named Dave Krupa, which is just beyond crazy considering that the only thing she had said to Dave in months at this point was horrible threats, yet now on Facebook she's claiming that they are in a relationship. When we once had a stage 5 clinger, this is now like a stage 20 clinger. It's really unnerving. However, during all of this, even though she was posting on Facebook, still threatening them through emails and text messages, she still hadn't contacted her son, and she also didn't attend his 15th birthday. So in the court's eyes, Carrie had abandoned him, and they granted sole custody to her parents. Dave and Liz maintained whatever kind of a relationship they had. He had felt bad about this whole thing. They were still bonding, getting closer together because of Carrie's stalking, but he noticed that Liz was getting clingy again. However, it just so happened that whenever Dave would tell Liz that they needed to cool off, Carrie's harassment toward them would just increase and get worse and worse. So he felt like he had no choice but to be there for Liz during all of these crazy Carrie tirades, especially since she had gone so far as to break into Liz's home and steal from her. Now, at one point, Carrie even claimed to be pregnant with Dave's child. But if you remember, Dave had gotten a vasectomy back when he was with Amy. And the weird thing in all of that was that Carrie also had gotten a hysterectomy, which made it just even a more bizarre thing to lie about. Nothing was making any sense. Yet Carrie was texting Liz, asking her to leave Dave alone for the sake of their baby. It just made no sense. So Liz basically told her, look, if you want him, you can have him. She was trying to make it seem like she was so over the drama that she didn't even care anymore. She didn't want Dave. She said, Carrie can have Dave. Like, I just want to untangle myself from this crazy ass love triangle. But in reality, all of this was making Liz and Dave even more close, drawing them closer together. So I think that Liz actually kind of liked it. Then one day, Dave randomly noticed that Carrie's car was parked in a lot near his apartment complex. The police brought it in and processed the vehicle, which strangely was completely wiped down, vacuumed, and spotless, all besides one small pink stain on the passenger seat that resembled juice or strawberry milk. The car had one scratch on one side, but there weren't any fingerprints on the outside or the inside of the car, not even on the steering wheel, the mirrors, nothing. Now, Carrie's mom thought that this was very bizarre and very alarming because apparently Carrie's car was always a complete disaster, always messy. So the fact that it now just poof, showed up somewhere, was meticulously cleaned, had no fingerprints, no trash, no anything, it was not smelling right. Something was wrong. They were able to find one single fingerprint on a tin of mints in the center console, and they were mints that Carrie was known to eat all the time, but the fingerprint didn't match hers or anyone else in the police database. Eventually, since Carrie's parents were technically the owners of the car, the police had no choice but to release it back to them. 
Even though nobody knew where she was, Liz was continuing to receive harassment from Carrie. Liz and Dave even received photos of Liz's children, threatening to kill them if Dave didn't leave her alone. And during this time, Dave was also trying to move on from Liz, so he was dating other women again, moving on, seeing other people, sleeping around. And one of these women, he ended up receiving a Facebook friend request from, and he accepted it, only to then be bombarded with messages from Carrie about an hour later. The woman who had sent him the friend request also received threatening messages warning her about Dave and him allegedly having herpes and telling her, stay away from this man, he's disgusting, he's gross. And the messages got to the point where the woman decided to file a police report because she was now afraid for the safety of her children. I mean, Carrie was lashing out on everyone who came into contact with Dave. And even though at this point Dave had pretty much stopped seeing Liz completely, she still would reach out to him occasionally so that they could get together and catch up on all of the crazy things that Carrie was doing to both of them. But not only the threats to Liz, but all of the threats to Dave, to the new women that he was dating, and they would just kind of bond some more over this, even though they weren't dating anymore at this point. During this time, he was also trying to co-parent his children with Amy better and spend more time with them, especially around the holidays, so he and Amy started spending more time together. Completely platonic, not re-sparking anything, but really just trying to have a good, solid co-parenting relationship. But then, on one occasion around Christmas, when Dave was over there, Liz just showed up at the house. Dave didn't tell her to leave, but it was kind of obvious that they were having family time and that she wasn't welcome. Now, Amy had only met Liz one time, but she didn't like her based on what she knew about her, and apparently, as soon as Liz got there, she started trying to bicker with Dave about things. Then in the summer of 2013, Liz's house randomly caught fire, so she called 911 for help. I've seen so far looking inside, this is it's pretty obvious this is intentionally set fire. The guy that I'm seeing, he has a girlfriend he dated for two weeks, and she's been stalking me since November. Do you know her name? It's Carrie. C-A-R-I. She has made threats towards me and my kids. She would kept text me telling me she wanted to kill me and my kids. You would think they were married as much as she's stalking me. She oh, won't moving. leave me alone. She will not go away. I just wish she would go away. She told the police about the Carrie situation and a threatening message that she had gotten from her earlier that day. The fire was determined to be arson, and even though no humans were hurt, tragically, Liz's pets did not survive it. Two dogs, a snake, and a cat died in the fire, and this time, Carrie had officially crossed the line. So after this, Liz decided to move, and she didn't even share her new address with Dave. She was just completely freaked out by all of this. However, since this situation was now becoming life-threatening, Dave once again felt this need to try to protect Liz any way that he could, even if it was only being there for her emotionally at this point. By December 2015, the harassment was still occurring, even though Carrie had technically been missing now for three years at this point. That's when a new set of detectives decided to take a look at the case, which had since gone cold around the station. So they questioned what motivation Carrie would have had to stalk Dave and Liz for so long, especially after only dating him for a few weeks. Now, around that same time, Liz paid a visit to the police station again, claiming that she was still being harassed, but now she didn't believe that it was Carrie doing the harassing anymore. According to Liz, she actually believed that all of the harassment, the fire, everything, was not Carrie, it was Amy, 
Dave's ex-partner and mother of his children. Liz also mentioned a gun that had been stolen from Dave's house that he hadn't reported as missing yet, and she was scared that Amy might try to attack her with this gun. So she was just unloading to the police all of her fears, everything that had been going on, saying, whoa, 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 I don't think this was Carrie at all. I think this whole thing was orchestrated by Amy. And she told the detectives that she was pretty scared that Amy might attack her and that maybe Amy had done something to Carrie after all. And that's why Carrie disappeared. So the police were also now beginning to doubt that the harassment had come from Carrie at all. So they asked Liz if they could download her phone data and her messages in hopes of collecting evidence against Amy. Was this Amy after all? Was this her all along, the jealous ex who never had Dave committing to her and now she was just going to ruin everything and everyone who came into contact with him? Soon after reporting everything to the police, Liz decided to take a walk to clear her head in a nearby park. And she did this alone. And she did this at night. Now, during that evening walk, she ended up calling 911 because apparently somebody attacked her and shot her in the leg. I'm at uh, the park by the sheriff's department. She's a leg is filled from blood. Do you know who did it? No. Unfortunately, Liz didn't get a good look at her attacker, but luckily, she did recognize her voice, which she claimed to sound just like Amy. After the 911 call, a police helicopter was immediately dispatched to search the grounds of the park for anyone attempting to escape on foot or in a car, but they weren't able to see anyone else entering or leaving the park. When police arrived at Amy's house, they busted in the doors, guns drawn, but Amy was in her pajamas, her baby was asleep in the crib, and Amy was completely shocked that anybody was accusing her of shooting somebody. They also went out to the garage and felt her car, which was cold to the touch, so they didn't think that she had driven recently. So now they were thinking, this couldn't have been Amy. So who was this that shot at Liz? Eventually, they had determined that Amy was telling the truth, and no arrest was made. However, Liz later presented an email to the police claiming that it was a confession from Amy, apparently admitting to shooting her in the park and also admitting to murdering Carrie Farver. The police started to get the feeling that Liz was actually the one behind all of this, and they convinced her that they did believe that Amy was the stalker, but that they needed her help in order to get a more detailed confession. So basically, they needed to get information that only Carrie's killer would know. And miraculously, Liz somehow in all of this then received an email, poof, a magical email from Amy that contained specific details about Carrie's abduction from back in November of 2012. It included her Facebook activity and even a description of her tattoos. The email alleged that Amy had abducted Carrie during the time that she had unfriended Dave, which was actually before she had sent that text asking Dave to move in with him. And it described Carrie as being stabbed in the stomach or the chest, burned beyond recognition, and disposed of in the trash. The details mentioned aspects of Carrie's vehicle and home that also were not known to the public, which led the police to believe that Carrie had actually been murdered over three years earlier. Although the police didn't know where Carrie's body was located, they learned that Liz was on the verge of eviction when her house was burned down. She had already moved most of her belongings and her children to a friend's house, but they needed more evidence to build a case against Liz now, so the police requested to search Carrie's vehicle once again, even though it had now at this point been sold. The new owners gave them permission for the search, 
and after removing the passenger seat cushion completely, they discovered that the faint pink stain that they had seen before was actually blood. Carrie's blood. When police started questioning Liz, she became enraged, which was exactly what the investigators wanted. In an emotional frenzy, Liz called the police in tears, saying that Amy had committed murder, shot her, and still got to be with Dave. That's what this whole thing was about. She was mad about these women still getting to be with Dave. So she gets to shoot somebody, and then she gets to kill another person, and then she gets to move in with Dave, and she gets to be free. And you guys aren't arresting her. Well, I'm sorry. I was trying to build a case. We were close, but we were just a couple steps away. The police had Liz right where they wanted her, and they asked her to try to extract a more detailed confession from Amy. So hours later, Liz forwarded another email confession to the police. This time, the writer of the email described Carrie being murdered in her own vehicle, specifically on the passenger side. The writer described stabbing Carrie in the chest and the abdomen, placing her body in garbage bags and burning it. The writer also admitted to disposing of the remains with the trash, all to get rid of any threat to her relationship with Dave. When police tried to explain to Dave what was going on, he was absolutely convinced that Liz could not have been involved because many of those messages that they received from Carrie came in at the same time while they were together. However, during the photo download, the police found apps that could delay outgoing text messages. They also found thousands of messages from Carrie stemming from her IP address and apps that would cause her phone to inaccurately ping in other locations. And get this, during their investigation, they also discovered that one of the IP addresses that Carrie had officially apparently been using came from a man's home named Garrett. Garrett was the boyfriend of Liz. He had been in a relationship with her since 2012, and even though he loved her a lot, apparently she was very, very distant. He said that she would constantly occupy herself with her computer in the basement, that she never was affectionate with him, wasn't really interested in him, but he was in love with her. And it was actually pretty sad because the police revealed to Garrett that Liz had actually saved his contact in her phone as a fat ass. I mean, she didn't care about this guy at all. She was using him because she was not facing eviction. She needed a place to live with her kids. She was using his IP address, doing all this stalking. I mean, it was unhinged bananas crazy. Um, he also had absolutely no idea that during their three years of their relationship, well, I say that loosely, their relationship in his eyes, he had no idea that she was dating Dave on and off. No clue. Absolutely zero. Poor guy. Now cooperating with the police, Garrett allowed them to search his home, including the area where Liz stayed in the basement. However, it was during the search of Liz's previous apartment that evidence began to emerge. The investigators discovered multiple cell phones and electronic devices, including a camera that belonged to Carrie. There was even an app used for disguising voices. They were even able to match that fingerprint that was on that mint can inside of Carrie's vehicle to Liz. We have your prints in the car, her phone at your house, you using multiple email accounts, creating all these different social media sites. I haven't created any emails. They're coming from you. No, they're not. All these have been coming from your, from no, your house. And I'm not going to be accused of something that I didn't do. The finger's pointing right at you. I'm done talking and I'm going to have my attorney because I didn't do anything. Okay. Not only that, 
But the investigators found out that she is the one who actually showed up at Carrie's workplace as her replacement. Remember when Carrie said, I'm resigning, but I found my replacement, she's coming in? It was Liz who showed up to take her job, as though it was some, like, single white female thing where she was just going to literally step into Carrie's life. It is so bizarre. On December 16th, 2016, Liz was arrested by the Omaha police for the murder of Carrie Farver. Despite it being four years since Carrie went missing, the police believed they had a very strong case against Liz. However, she of course denied any knowledge of what happened to Carrie and continued trying to point the finger at Amy as the murderer. Liz stuck to her victim's story until she finally requested a lawyer. The police felt like their case was strong, but not solid. That was until Dave remembered that he had put an old tablet away in a storage unit that Liz may have had access to when she was at his house. And in the tablet, police found an SD card belonging to Liz. It appeared to be completely wiped clean, but the investigators were able to find a horrifying piece of evidence that Liz attempted to get rid of. On that SD card, there was a photo of a decomposed human foot with a tattoo. And the tattoo was an exact match for the Chinese symbol for mother that Carrie had tattooed on her foot. Liz and her attorney hoped that without a lawyer, the evidence wouldn't be strong enough for a murder conviction. And the trial presented all of the data and physical evidence, but the defense tried to undermine that fingerprint evidence on the mint tin, suggesting that Liz may have touched it at Dave's apartment before Carrie put it in her car. They argued that without a body or a crime scene or a murder weapon or proof of death, there was no case against Liz. Material relating to how bad a person she is, crazy Liz, or how evil she is, but, but there isn't any evidence of the evil act or the crazy act, and that's what a court of law is about. That's what you need to convict. However, the prosecution argued that the amount of Carrie's blood found on the passenger seat of her vehicle aligned with the stabbing confession that originated from the IP address where Liz was living. The disturbing picture of the SD card provided evidence that Carrie was dead, and it also proved that Liz had taken a picture of her body. This is a bizarre and twisted case of a fatal attraction. It's about an obsessive woman that would stop at nothing to get what she wanted. And in this case, what she wanted was a man. Ultimately, Liz was convicted of first-degree murder in 2017, and she was handed a life sentence without the chance of parole. And I'm so thankful that she can't hurt anybody else. She's terrorized too many people. Now to a different story tonight. It's a bizarre murder case that has gained national attention. A twisted plot line that took investigators years to unravel. A mother went missing about five years ago in Omaha. Her body never found. The woman who killed her then assumed her identity. Today, she learned her fate. Ms. Goyer, what some people are capable of is, has always been founded and mystified the court. Shanna Goliar is sentenced to life in prison plus 18 to 20 years by Judge Timothy Burns for first-degree murder and arson. Judge Burns convicted her with proof beyond a reasonable doubt of stabbing Carrie Farver to death in 2012 outside her boyfriend's Omaha apartment. Goliar previously dated the same man. There were many hugs for Carrie's family afterwards. Her mother says she's glad Goliar can't hurt anyone else. She's got a life sentence now, but she also gave everybody else that loved Carrie a life sentence. She took Carrie's life. She gave my grandson a life sentence of not having his mother there and all of the people that love her. We have to live with the nightmare that we have lived with for so long. 
Goyar not only killed Farver, but for years deceived Carrie's family into thinking she was alive by sending texts. She hadn't been seen since 2012. She also sent thousands of texts and emails to the former boyfriend on behalf of Farver, acting like Carrie was stalking both of them. Goliar wrote a letter to the judge asking him to find it in his heart to give her 30 years so she could get out in 15. Prosecutors say she has no heart and shows zero remorse. She was making up excuses for what she did, trying to implicate friends of hers that helped her write the emails. There were no friends. She, has, she doesn't have many friends that ever came out in this investigation, and certainly she could have mentioned names if she wanted to during the cold trial, and she didn't. She is now serving her sentence in the Nebraska Department of Corrections. Liz also received a 20-year sentence for second-degree arson after being found guilty of intentionally setting fire to her own home. Of course, she wasted no time in filing an appeal, but it was ultimately denied. To this day, Liz claims that she's innocent and that Amy is guilty and orchestrated this entire thing. And in a very sad detail in this case, the body of Carrie has never been located. Even though her body has never been recovered, I'm glad that her family, especially her son, now knows for sure that his mother would never have abandoned him like that of her own free will. I do hope that one day she will find it in her heart to reveal where Carrie's remains are so that they can lay her to rest. It's just the ultimate batshit crazy story. Some people out there I've seen do think that Amy is responsible and did somehow calculate and orchestrate this entire thing. I think that is very, very unlikely. All signs, all red flags, in my opinion, point to Liz, but let me know what you think. Another tale of a twisted love saga today. So let me know what you guys think about this case. I appreciate you tuning in. I know it was a long one. It was a wild one for sure. And there's actually so many more details in this, guys, that I didn't even get into just because I knew it was going to end up being like over two hours if I did. But at one point, Liz had even texted Carrie's family pretending that Carrie was still alive and found in a homeless shelter. When they went to the homeless shelter, she wasn't there. It had given them false hope. I mean, there are so many other sick details in this and this just like complex plan. Also, what? That she and Dave would bond together and he would choose her and they'd live happily ever after. I mean, honestly, there's like no rational thinking in this. It is beyond crazy. So thanks so much for tuning in today, guys. I will be talking with you again very soon with another true crime case. But for now, have a great rest of your week. All right. Bye. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.